Facing the Crab Podcast. We are here. <laughs> and this, so this is Hobo. I am Perks. Lovely to meet you, sir. How's it going? What's up, guys? It's going great. How <laughs> yeah, are you guys? We, yeah, we just, well, we typical mad rush to get everything sort of set up in this little studio and lost headphones and stuff like that. Mine, mine are like, these are like vintage. These are like ones we've found. <laughs> and they like, like, look like a Cyberman from Doctor Who. I don't know if you know Doctor Who. <laughs> you take those from Abbey Road or something? <laughs> I fucking think it does go way back to Abbey Road. It's yeah. unbelievable. I can't but, stop looking at them. <laughs> but we can hear you. It's <laughs> all right. They are atrocious. I love it, though. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I said to, I said to him, I'm actually going to put these on. He went, otherwise you'll just hear yourself. And you're going to have to. Yeah. Like, I'm going to have to. Yeah. We we drew straws for who was going to wear them. We actually did. Lost. We actually did. <laughs> or one, whichever way you want to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell, it's unbelievable. Yo, could I have just one moment to, to go grab my lunch? At of course you can. Sure. Yeah, hold up. Give me one minute. Abbey Road. Legendary studio. Yeah, me. He's back. Can you hear me? Yeah, all what good, all good. That? So, yeah, because you haven't been up long, have you, I guess? What's it, midday there now? Um. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's about 10 minutes past noon, so... I'm halfway through my work there. I took my lunch for this. Oh, no, nice, man. Oh, well done. Yeah. Very kind of you. To, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I make time. That's all good, yeah. It's funny because my job revolves around, I work remote, so I, I'm on Zoom all day long. So <laughs> here I am on another meeting. <laughs> he's, he's, on, he's on Zoom and then a couple of Cybermen pop up and he's like, this this, this, this work's got a bit strange. <laughs> Oh, no, we've been, we've been wanting to speak to, um, you know, someone from the California hardcore scene for a while. Um, and we've kind of like been tracking you guys and the, these streets, obviously you're in these streets, everyone listening. This is Cam from these streets, California hardcore band. And they, you kind of like popped up and come on our radar a couple of years ago. We was like, yeah, this is, this is cool. And uh, yeah, here I am. <laughs> And here you are, you're on here. So we're just gonna happy to be here. We're gonna start off um like I, I mean I know you've been in a, a lot of bands, haven't you? You, you played you you're a vocalist now, aren't you, for these streets? But you played guitar yep. in Lionheart, didn't you? The hardcore band? Yeah, um I played guitar for Lionheart uh, a, a couple I started playing for them a couple years after these streets had started. So, I mean, I, I, before these streets, I was always playing guitar for bands. And then I just, I, I felt like I had that. I felt like I had it in me to, to sing in a band, you know, front a band. So uh, we started, um, we started these streets after like the, the, the fallout of the a band previous with, you know, mainly the same members. And then, you know, further down the road, I started just starting other bands as like side projects. And eventually I got asked to be in Lionheart. So I stayed with them for a couple of years. And occasionally, I still play for them whenever they need me. I'm like a, a backup guitar player for them. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I saw that you um, you actually toured Europe with them, didn't you? Oh yeah, a few times. That's I that's think amazing. Three times. Yeah, so you got around quite a few countries. Yeah. Was that your first oh. time over the, over over in Europe, or or you've been before? 
Uh, I'd never been to Europe before, um, before I was in Lionheart. So my first time with them was my first time. I was like 19, I think, I want to say. Really? Yeah. You got some fun memories of that tour? Uh, yeah. Some crazy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot I could divulge on, to be honest with you. But, I mean, the shows were crazy. Um, you know, it was my first time playing, you know, overseas and, you know, being treated like a real artist for once. You know, being on a bus, um, playing packed out shows, having catering. Um, you know, and, you know, aside from that, just being on the other side of the world and seeing how amazing the other side of the world can be you know that was you know it was a breathtaking experience never thought i'd ever see the eiffel tower or you know or big yeah. ben or you know and fucking anything i never thought i'd leave modesto california no way man yeah um, oh, so you played in the uk did you where where did you play so like one of the venues in london uh we played underworld oh cool cool oh, we frequent yeah. the underworld quite often <laughs> Yeah, I've, I haven't been there since. I think I've only done the UK proper once. We did uh, we did Wales, we did Sheffield, did London. I want to say we played Manchester as well. That's a good little tour. You got around. Yeah, yeah. it's good. Yeah. How did you find like the uh, the scene is here compared to where you? Um, are? I, I remember. I remember the shows being good. I mean, it, I think we did it in the summer, so we were doing the fest season. Yeah. Um, so they weren't like proper headliners. I mean, they were headliners. Um, but I actually think First Blood was headlining their UK shows. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, they weren't like a planned out headliner. They were kind of last minute, you know, kind of done ad hoc to, to, to supplement the weekdays between the festivals we were doing. Um, so they probably could have been bigger shows had we had planned an actual proper headliner mm-hmm. or, you know, just a proper tour around it. But yeah. um, the shows were good. I remember the one we played in, uh, I think it was Newcastle. That one felt like a hometown show. Cause it was like super, uh, like a smaller gig. There's maybe like a hundred or so people there. Everyone was moshing super violent. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> moshing. You gotta love it. Done a few of them, haven't we? <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> no, I mean, too old for that shit. Hey, these hey, days. I, 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 st- I still mosh. I still, I still touch the pit and, and fuck it up from time to time. Yeah, yeah, we'd love to. My, my ankles I won't do it. <laughs> from what, my years of playing football or soccer, whatever you call it. But yeah, they're broken. <laughs> you know, I think the US is coming around to using the term football for. Yeah, you think for it now? Yeah. I mean, I hear more people call it football than soccer nowadays. And then when they refer to, you know, American football, they just say American football. I mean, soccer, I mean, I I just said soccer, but football is like huge now in the state, bigger than it ever has been. Yeah. So it's really cool to see. That's good. Um, You you guys got the World Cup, haven't you? I think next, the soccer World Cup. I have no clue. I'm not not super into the sport. I'm more of a, I like fighting sports more than yeah. anything um that's my kind of thing i like hockey because they can fight yeah, but yeah i'm not i'm not super big on sports especially american sports they're kind of boring to me yeah all right i watched that um that fight the other day with a youtube guy and that and our boxer tommy fury and oh, jake yeah. paul oh yeah that was yeah. an awesome fight i was watching yeah. that in the car we i was were, thinking, I, I was on my I, way home oh you watched it oh yeah i was on my way home from a, from a trip and i was like i gotta watch this fight because i i think jake paul is hilarious that's what um, i thought i've got to watch this fight and he's like he's doing a good thing for boxing because he's really roping in like the a super young demographic and to be honest he's not a bad fighter at all you know he really held his own with tommy and honestly i thought he had it when he you know gave him that knockdown in in, in, in the eighth round but tommy had the had the better had the best of him throughout the entire fight he, he really won it yeah. Was yeah. it a knockdown or a slip? I'm not it's still not sure. But I think they ruled it as a knockdown, but I, he definitely just lost his footing. Yeah. So yeah. It still went down. But yeah, I mean he, he landed more blows, didn't he, Tommy? And but I was shocked at how how well Jake Paul did and how he went eight rounds and I didn't he, think it was gonna last that long to nah, I mean he he did well, he, he, he proved he himself fought. to 
to be a fighter. Yeah, he was a fighter. For sure. No he doubt about it. I don't think he's fought a proper boxer yet. He's fought in um, that one. I forget his name, but he's ugly as hell. That UFC fighter who just had no boxing credentials at all. And I mean, that was the closest thing, but this was like his, his chance to prove himself. And I'm, I'm kind of glad he lost it because it kind of just rules out the narrative that it's rigged in his favor, you know? Mm, and right. he went eight rounds. I mean, it, his brother Logan went eight rounds with Floyd Mayweather. And that and people wanted to hate on that. But it's like, dude, he went eight rounds with the greatest boxer of all time. What do you, what do you mean, you know? Mm. Well, yeah. They've got us talking about it, haven't they? So, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're now they've now yeah, ingrained totally. into the world of boxing. They've 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 got themselves in it. Yeah. Totally. So so what can you say about that? Nothing really. Totally, totally. Um what we always ask is what was the first gig you ever like paid for to go and see and see a show? If you can remember. Ah oh, man. I think I wanna say it was like slipknot. I mean, of course I didn't pay for it because I was a child. Hmm. But I want to say it was like Slipknot, Lamb of God, and Mudvayne on the Iowa tour. That's a pretty good lineup. Maybe two thousand, maybe two thousand two. Yeah. I was like seven or eight, dude. <laughs> My God! Wow, he was that seven or eight watching Slipknot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Iowa. I didn't go to a concert for a while. For a while, I think my next one was like My Chemical Romance or something. Something not as crazy, but a concert yeah. nonetheless. What was it? One of those shows that made you want to? Was that when you sort of like? It clicked with you, and you thought, oh, "This is what I want to do." You know, I want to, I want to be back when it be in bands, and you know, do all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think the the first time I heard music, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Mm, mm. I don't think it, it didn't seem possible until I like maybe was in middle school, maybe about twelve years old, when I got a guitar and I was like, "I could play this fucking thing." Yeah. Kind of taught myself how to do it, you know didn't take classes or anything. I just figured it out. Mm. And then once I learned how to play guitar, I kind of just then learned how to record music and my space happened. And I was yeah. just like, well, I can make it look like I have a band and I can just write all this music by myself. I mean, I was self-producing my own music at probably the age of 13, 14. Okay. So I've just, I, I think I've always had an affinity for it and I always have my eye on it. Mm-hmm. Have you, have you got, there like, was you no, were- Go there was on, like sorry. no other option for me. Yeah, yeah. No, that's brilliant. That's amazing. Like to, to know like you're calling kind of thing from that age, I think that's brilliant. And also like to be that talented to be able to produce and do your own stuff, you know. Um I mean when I started playing music, the whole the whole kind of digital thing didn't exist. It was all it was all analog. So y- your only option was to go into a studio and kind of do it that way, you know. You, you couldn't sort of have your own setup at home and all that kind of stuff. Totally. Yeah. It's just changed so I mean, much, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, by all means, my music back then was fucking awful. But uh, I'm allowed to cuss, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Say, okay. say whatever you <laughs> okay. want. Yeah. My music we, won't, we won't cut it out. Fucking, fucking terrible. But I figured out how to, you know, do it. And, you know, I kind of figured out, I think back then, I figured out how to be like an activator to my ideas. As opposed to just like dreaming it, I just like let me make it a reality, good or bad. It's out there, and it's you know tangible. It's like right here, you know. I, I made this it's all me. Yeah, yeah. So, so you sort of started at the beginning. You sort of you built. Did you build up quite a good um, kind of like MySpace following? I, just, I can't even remember how MySpace even worked because it was so long ago. But did you get followers like you do on you know on? I can't remember. No, I, was, I, I know you can I put pictures very, on it. I was I was very young, you know. Um, so I had all my my school friends, and then of course on MySpace, everyone just added each other. Yeah, you know. So I did have a solid following. I mean, I had thousands of plays on my music, and it was like if it saw the light of day, I'd probably drive into oncoming traffic, you know. <laughs> but I think I think I think I used MySpace as like a tool to learn social media very early on. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, I had a MySpace in like the sixth grade at like 11 or 12 years old. I should, which should be like illegal. Yeah. You know, I mean, but I also at that time had a computer and could go on the internet and see like videos of people getting like murdered. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the internet was the wild, wild west back then. Oh, it really was. Um, and so I, you know, I just kind of, I don't think socially or, you know, promotionally, 
that stuff ever did anything for me other than learning how to connect with people and or learning the the tool of using the internet to get out there um i've always i've always i always tell people all the time that like these three started in 2013 right which was after the end of myspace um and before streaming like before spotify all of that you know so all these streets had was our instagram profile um literally all just our instagram profile i think we heart we've hardly ever used Facebook mm-hmm. and uh, this website called Bandcamp. Bandcamp was like the way, you yeah. know, and we amassed hundreds of thousands of streams for our, our songs on Bandcamp. We sold hundreds of vinyls. Like we made physical vinyls very early on. We got, you know, with a smaller record label and we really did it DIY. Mm. Everything we did was DIY and, and free Spotify. So we've had to like adjust to the, the landscape of you know the music industry as it's kind of grown sure. over the past 10 years um and boy has it been difficult i mean we're at this place where now um the internet and and, and social media is all content driven like i don't want to make a fucking tiktok, a TikTok i don't want to yeah. post these corny ass videos you know we're a hardcore band like yeah where does that doesn't culturally align with anything we believe in. Yeah. 100%. But it's something you kind of have to do to connect with the youth. Because at the end of the day, I mean, you want ticket sales, album sales, right? You want merch sales. If they don't know who the fuck you are, you're just a dinosaur who refuses to, to get with the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's good that you took the, you know, the ball by the horns early on. You was producing vinyls. I mean, those, those vinyls must be like collector's items now, mustn't they? I mean, because... That's bef- that's like you say before anything digital at all. When you did it back, when it was probably harder to do it, you know, and just and get shit done. You you you. That's how you got your following. You got the vinyls out there, and then other people can play those vinyls. To other people can't they? And you build up your fan base, and then then you switched over to digital. I mean, it's a cool it's a cool thing that you you actually had that actually you changed. You actually did do that. Some of these bands now wouldn't have ever known that, would they? No. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of bands who just genuinely don't even think of the concept of releasing a full-length record now. Yeah. I mean, we haven't released one since 2017 for very specific reasons because the, of the weight that comes with doing that. I mean, one, to write an amazing record front to back is like, I mean, who the fuck can do that nowadays, to be honest, mm-hmm. you know, um, without adding filler songs. Everyone does singles now. But when you do a full record, you got to do a, a whole promo campaign. You got to hit the fucking road and tour on it and, and get that money back for everybody involved. I mean, there's a lot that comes to it. And, you know, unless you're like one of these bands that has this massive hype train driving it, um, it's just financially irresponsible to do it, you know. Um, so we don't do we haven't done a full. I think we're, we're planning on it. Yeah. Breaking news. But um, you know, under we're just trying to manage expectations right now and and go with the flow. I mean, we've been a band for ten years, and it's not like we're Metallica now, and it's not even like we're selling out theaters. We're still doing the damn thing, and we're just doing it because we love it. Yeah, you know, this is every time we get to go on tour, we're like on vacation. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, I have a full time job. I don't take days off. I'm on my lunch right now. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's just, you know, we make time for it because we love doing it. And, you know, we have music and we have we have bullets in the chamber ready to go. But it's just a matter of how can we manage expectations around releasing that? Mm-hmm. So, when you get, I mean, what's up? No, no, it's when you get when you go in, you start to sort of plan the tracks and, and write the tracks and you get together um, and you, you may think you're going to do an EP and you, you get safe like four good really good tracks and then you find you've got five or six is that when you get to the point where you think oh maybe we could just go for the album or do you just sometimes you've got five or six and you think no just stick with the ep is there a point where you think we can go for it we've got enough good stuff this session to go for the album or is it or is it all planned i think um you know we try to be calculated with everything we do Totally. But one thing I firmly believe in and I won't back down from is if the vibe isn't right, it's not happening. 
So usually how it does happen, I mean, I have, I would probably say like 15 or 16 demos in a Dropbox folder, you know, that I could go out back and check from. But what realistically what will happen to those 16 songs is I'll take five at a time and then turn those five demos into one banger ass song, mm-hmm. right? Um, I don't know when you plan on releasing this this podcast. Uh, as soon as we can, guys, hopefully. Okay, well, we're dropping a song randomly um, in the middle of this month, right before we go to Europe. But that song was created from like the death of like three other songs. Right. That we just we we took these three songs to a producer. We sat down with them. And, you know, we all kind of sat there and we're like, nah, this ain't it. I don't think this, this shit is strong enough. Because we were going to do two songs that day. And then we ended up just taking parts from each song and Frankensteining together the song that everyone's going to hear. And, it's, you know, it, it's a better product. So when, when it comes to us, it's like, um, when the vibe is there, then you have that connectivity between all of us to where like we're firing on all pistons. So like now that we have this song and we have like kind of this basis of what we want to do and how we want to sound for this next record, now we have like the energy and the momentum and the base, like the foundation for what we want to write. And honestly, it's going to be pretty easy for us to just like start churning out songs in this way and that with this sound. Because when you're workshopping for a full length, you're kind of just trying to figure out what you want to do with the record and how you want the record to go. But all the songs we have right now, I mean, they all, they're all like vastly different songs, you know, and I don't want to put out an eclectic mix of music. I want to put out like a, a seamless experience front to back. Yeah. So, um, and we don't like jam together. That's another thing about us is we don't like get into a garage or a practice space and like write these songs together because if I'm being completely honest with you, I can't be bothered by listening to loud amps for six hours at a time. Mm-hmm. I've, we're, I mean, we're grown men. Our ears are deteriorating every day. Our bodies deteriorating every day. I can't hear feedback and people dicking around for six hours. I can't focus <laughs> like that. I truly can't. I can't be bothered by that experience. When we get get together and practice and rehearse, it's straight business. We play the set once. We we figure out things we need to change. We play it again. We're done. Yeah. There's like a firm timer on that because I can't sit there and scream for two hours. Who can? No. You know? um, so we write all of our stuff digitally. Um, we all have our own like recording setups kind of. Uh-huh. And we all just do it in the box on a computer send them back and forth to each other and then go from there. Yeah. Do you, do you find, do you write a lot of the guitar parts yourself? <clears throat> For it, it's, it varies release to release. Mm. Um, we've had um, a lot of lineup changes in the years, um, just based on how hard it is to be in a band. And, and honestly, the area where we're from, it's like impossible sometimes to juggle those things. Mm-hmm. Um Early on, it was primarily me and my bassist, Josh, and our guitarist at the time, Trevor. But then for a cool minute, it was just me. Yeah. Me with the assistance of our other guitarist, Waleed, who um, he's in a band called Stuck on Sight now. He's, he's doing his own things, doing great things. Um, and then it, it's always kind of been uh, our, our producer, Cody Fuentes. He was like the secret member of these streets with me. Uh-huh. And I would write all this stuff and he would track the drums on it too. He like he was just me and him were like this. But um the past two releases we did was primarily me um and our drummer Ben. Mm-hmm. So I would say that it's it's been a lot of me, um, which I'm kind of trying to to roll back on a little bit. Our newest song were like like I said, was these ideas that came together, but um we had the help of two members of this band called Mugshot. Mm-hmm. Um, one of which Connor, he was the producer of the song. I mean, me and Josh, our guitarist, wrote you know the parts, but they took these parts and like injected them with crack cocaine and made them just like <laughs> insane. You know what I mean? Because at uh, I've been in control of this this uh, this this train the entire time, and I feel like it's at some point you get burnt out on understanding 
on on being creatively like in control of it. I mean, it's it's only so long you ride a horse before the horse is going to fuck you off, right? Yeah. So um, I approached these uh, Connor, this producer, and I was like, "Listen, man, we were on tour at the time as well. We did this in the middle of a tour. We took a couple of days off to do this. I was like, "Listen, man, I want our live show to be." represented by our future music i feel like uh-huh. that's one thing that's always disconnected because we always re- record everything in a box um and so he was like all right we sat there we thought about everything as we did it as if it was like how would this come across live yeah you know um because we don't get that when we don't practice we don't we don't we don't have practice but we don't jam yeah because that's just we, we also live hours apart from each other but mm-hmm. um I've kind of tried to roll back and dial back on how much I write and kind of lean on the other members of the band. Yeah. Um, our two guitarists are in other bands where they are writing the music for. So it's kind of hard for me to lean into them and be like, Hey, can you write something? Cause they're one, not in my head Two, they're writing their own shit for their, their babies. Mm-hmm. Um, so these three stories kind of been my baby. And, but now I'm kind of, trying to let my baby do its own thing um mm-hmm. and it's kind of working um our our base is josh he's been writing and i've been bringing in just my friends and just writing with them and just jamming with these people who have been watching my band for 10 years and just are dope musicians who don't really want to be in a band yeah um, and i've just been writing with all these other people and it's been a really cool experience so our new release is going to be a lot a lot less of me and a lot more of these other people who believe in this band and uh, enjoy being a part of it. Mm-hmm. You're you're finding inspiration there from your family, you know, and friends. That's like it's great, isn't it? I mean, you you've gone like you say you've, you're propping the whole thing up for so long, and now you're just getting the closest people around you to reignite you, which is yeah, hundred yeah, percent. That's, that's exactly where I'm coming from with it. It's brilliant. You know, you get lost sometimes. Uh, I would say the last two records, I mean, the last EP we put out isn't my favorite material. And I don't like saying that because these streets is literally my favorite band. Mm. And now I'm on, and and it's like this weird duality where I'm looking at my own release, like, man, I kind of wish this band would have put out something doper. But it's my favorite band. We were listening to Roll the Dice on the way over. Yeah, we were. Yeah. 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 I love that. And and, and I always, (laughs) I always find that I get self-conscious about, how big I go for songs. Like if you were listening to the record on the way over here, right. Um, there's the intro song. Cause we always do like a funny intro song, which is a heavy breakdown. And then there's a song on there called laugh breath, which I genuinely believe is the best song on that release. And was the first one I wrote, but it's got like that chorus in it. It's got like a weird rap part at the end of it. Like I get self-conscious about how big I go and I'm like scared to put that out. So I just put, I, I like, really put uh emphasis on the songs that are like straightforward hardcore songs you know what i mean because i kind of i kind of go i kind of go liam and noel gallagher with myself i'm like constantly fighting myself in the studio trying to make this crazy shit (laughs) and i will say for the past two records there was an insane amount of cocaine use when i made them so (laughs) i was really in i was i was in my oasis vibe yeah man well, that's what it's about, Just, right? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of lose myself sometimes, but you got it. It's, I'm an artist. I want to create, and the pandemic really fueled isolation and uh, creativity in strange ways. Yeah, hundred. And was you listening to Oasis in between writing? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I watched the Supersonic documentary in 2017, and oh, I've seen that. Oasis became my favorite band ever. I swear by everything they do. I mean, I think Noel's a cunt, but um, he's team Liam. I've seen Liam <laughs> at, uh, all day. I've seen Liam twice. I literally damn near shed tears when he walked out on stage. He's just my like the way they they are, and the way the way they existed was so once in a lifetime that I try to emulate and try to think about myself with that in that light with that confidence and try to think. I only got one time to do this band. You know, and it, it it could be over at any moment. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I saw uh, Liam Gallagher at Glastonbury in two thousand seventeen. 
God, good for pretty you. special. That, blazing sounds, sunshine, blazing sunshine. Me and my brother had like a like a water bottle full of Jack Daniels. We were walking around with <laughs> just buying buying um, buying cokes from an ice cream truck whenever we needed them, <laughs> and just pouring the JD in it, and just like Liam Gallagher, come on! You saw Oasis, Dan, where we live around the corner. Yeah, yeah, they played ninety four, wasn't it? 90, no, ninety five. I think they played um, a venue in South End, and um, Cliffs. What you did was you turned up at twelve o'clock, and they were recording the video for Rock and Roll Star. So you all mm-hmm. piled in there and they were just miming on stage to the tune and like me and all my lot are all in the video. You know, I don't know. Well, I don't know if you, you might see me for a second, but yeah, it's pretty cool being, you know, a bit of history that's the, there. That's the coolest shit ever right there. I mean, I was... <laughs> that's you the know, greatest was... rock and roll band of all time. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like not long out of school and it was just like something to do. But um, yeah, you know, it they was, were amazing. Uh, it was pretty crazy. The Britpop era. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, where is this... No, we love them. We love them. Love them. Tell us about um, Modesto, California, where you live. Oh, Is this man, kind of like cool. south of <laughs> south of Reno? Kind of. Set, it's definitely. It, it's definitely south of Reno. It's like if you were to take a California and place your finger in the dead center, it's about where Modesto is. Um, I'm about like an hour and a half from the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, about three and a half hours from Reno hour south of Sacramento and four hours north of Los Angeles. I I mean I'm ideally like perfectly perfectly positioned in California to go anywhere I want on a moment's notice. Yeah. Dead yeah. central. But it's a it's a it was just listed as the eighth dirtiest city in the country. The eighth. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's really not that bad. I don't understand. I mean, I could I've been to cities that are worse that weren't on that list. So I don't know how they're how they're uh, gauging that. But um, I love being from here. Uh, it's, it's the cheapest. I wouldn't say the cheapest, but it's a cheap part of California. As California has grown to be one of the most expensive states to live in. Um, I'm in a very a good spot. I've grown up here. I love it here. It's like uh, the agricultural area of California. Oh right, yeah. So there's just surrounded by farms and and uh my modesto is specifically known for uh nuts we produce like a vast majority of the world's almonds oh wow <laughs> wow i love an almond our baseball team is called the modesto nuts oh really okay. yeah. I, I read that george this is george lucas grew up there went to high correct. school there oh wow yeah correct he went to i believe he went to downey Right, so that's right near you. Obviously, she lived there. That's yeah. a pretty, pretty famous person, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, is there a, is there yeah. a, is there a good music scene like there? Oh, uh, it's been hit or miss. And, yeah. Um, the growing up, it was really, really exciting and, and cool to be like to go to shows and have local shows and tours would come through here, mm. but not so much over the past couple of years. No. The hardcore scene grew too violent to uh, contain itself and is often often combusted yeah. in itself, you know. And venues just come and go because, I mean, who wants to put up with the bullshit of hardcore? So most of the time, uh, if there is a hardcore show or anything in that realm, I'm booking it and it's probably a free event. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, typically when we go to play gigs, it's up in Sacramento or in the Bay Area or in Los Angeles. We but we usually don't play one off gigs too often. We usually just either do a weekend run or or tours, but there there isn't any like tours that come through Modesto specifically. No. So but like you say central, so you can come out to everyone plays Vegas, don't they? But that's about four hours from you, isn't it? You can go up there, can't you? I, I do enjoy playing Vegas. I enjoy Vegas. I'd like to just go there one day. <laughs> one day. I've, I've been a few times. Uh, um, <laughs> That's got to be seedy. There's got to be seedy elements to that, isn't there? No, not really. <laughs> There's got to be. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, it gets weird. I'm I'm the kind of person who finds himself being like, all right, how can we make tonight weird? You know what I mean? <laughs> I've done Vegas so many times. I've gone on the main strip, and I'm just, I'm bored of it. I don't go to the main strip when I go to Vegas anymore. So it's just are the you buy-ins saying, at the tables are too high. 
Um, yeah, that's drinks true. are too expensive. Uh, so we go to like downtown, like Fremont Street, I think it's called. You yeah, know, yeah, the, yeah. They have that big long walkway with the screens. I've overhead. been there. Yeah, I've been there. It's that's like three dollars for a Corona, isn't it? Three dollars for a Corona. Yeah. It's- you can knock a few of them back real quick. What you're trying to tell us is basically that all three hangover films were actually made up after one of your nights out. Um, I don't think it's gotten that weird. <laughs> but I've been in some interesting situations, for sure. No way. I hear there's some like secret, secret, <laughs> secret clubs there in Vegas that they're not even listed or even on the map or anything. Sure there is. Stuff like that. We got yeah, them in I London. Was, I would we? not doubt that for a second. I, I went to the Crazy Horse a few times back in the day. That was good. <laughs> crazy <laughs> horse. The crazy horse. <laughs> Mental. Oh man, I want to get a Vegas. So, talking about your um, putting on you, you're putting on shows. You obviously, um, you, you're you're definitely a doer, and I know you've put your own festival, and haven't you? Is it Northern Alliance? I do that with with Ricky from Lionheart. Right, okay. So, yeah, you you guys started that together. And how many has there been so far? How many of those fests has has there been? He he started the fest, I think, in 2017. I think last year was like the fifth year, maybe, question mark, uh, excluding the pandemic year, because we didn't do anything in 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, I'm moving forward. I'm probably not going to do much with the festival. I think Ricky's just going to keep doing it by himself. Uh, it's proven to be a little too daunting for my life, but it's a heavy workload and it's a lot to take on. Yeah. Um, where was it situated? So, I mean, where, I, where is it held? Sorry. Just anywhere in Northern California. Right. Um, anywhere the good, the good the, space the at the two time. Main, the two main years I've been involved with one was at uh, a venue in Sacramento called the Den of Sin. And then the last year it was in Oakland. Oakland, yeah. So yeah. you just, just obviously you must have loved it when you was doing it, and you played it as well. These streets played it, didn't they? Correct. Yeah. Was, it, was that just the last yeah. one you played, or, or or a few of them? We played the year before as well. Right. Okay. We've kind of been like a staple for doing the festival, um, but I probably won't do play or work on the festival either way this year, just to give it some. I need some space away from it. I'll go though. <laughs> You're gonna mosh. I'll buy a you? ticket. You're gonna mosh. Probably. I would love <laughs> to just go and enjoy myself. You know, I've been on. I've been on that kind of a kick lately. I'm just going to shows and being a civilian, Why not? as opposed to needing to talk to people and people wanting to talk to me. Fucking leave me alone. I'm trying to watch the music. Yeah, yeah, that makes yeah. sense, doesn't it? Must be hard to get it to run, run well, and play a set at the same time as well. It's a lot to think about, isn't it? So yeah, I can yeah, see where you're coming from. It's it's annoying. It's definitely a stress ball, and that I don't want or need. I have gotten into the the back end of music lately. I I, st- I be I, I started being a booking agent uh, about four or five months ago for some you know a bunch of bands and. I've been working on on that side of things for like the past five months, and it's been it's been awesome. Just mm-hmm. working for other bands and helping them out. Cool, yeah, cool. That's it, cool. You do a bit of um, graphic design as well, is that right? I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> you enjoy that? The, I do it for my band. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm assuming all your artwork has come from from you. Uh, to an extent, um, our album art mm. is coming from external sources now. Like, okay. uh, roll the dice. A guy named Riley Herrera did that album art. He owns a brand called Learn to Forget. They're awesome. Um, and our new single has uh, some artwork done by a local artist that I love. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like doing the album layout and merch designs and stuff like that, I'll I'll get like album art curated and created for it, and then I'll just take pieces and utilize it for merch and or create my own merch. Uh-huh. Um, but I kind of try to be hands off with that too because you know being being the captain of the ship and uh, having to do everything and not getting any kickback for it. It's like, like, dude, I'd rather just pay someone to do it and make it amazing better than I could instead of not getting paid for my time and then not being happy with it in the end. Yeah. I suppose there's a fine line there, isn't there? You know, no, that's cool. But for a long time I got, I got away with just eliminating 
every middleman, you know, self-producing the <laughs> records, doing the artwork. Um, I damn near was about to learn how to screen print shirts just because making shit happen. Fuck, fuck them all. You know what I mean? Like, let's just, let's just do it. I don't need nobody's help, but you know, I'd rather just focus on writing good music and playing good shows now because I have a full-time job that takes up my life. I'm a yeah, father yeah. now. I just don't have it in me. No, fair play. Fair play, mate. Yeah. But what, what I did want to say to you as well is that, um, I don't know if a lot of, um, a lot of your, a lot of your work is completely self-produced or whatever, but, um, the production is insane. It, like it's like way above the level of, um, of like a lot of hardcore that I've listened to, but you know, it's mm-hmm. just like, everything's just crisp. The riffs are, you know, just sound amazing. So well done. <laughs> Thank you. I do find that a lot of bands, uh, their records or their releases sound like they were recorded with a, a toaster yeah. oven. Yeah, um, underwater. But sometimes there's some charm to that. Yeah, there can you be, know? of course. Yeah, there's but a lot. Sometimes it just sounds like fucking dog shit. And I'm like, I hate everything about this. But the band could rock live. Yeah. So I, I try to I try to not listen to bands' releases, especially yeah. when they're super hyped up until I see them live. And mm-hmm. if if they put on a good live show, then I'm all the way invested. I'll go straight to their merch table the second they get off stage yeah. and buy a, a bunch of their merch just because just because they killed it. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, there's a lot there's a lot of albums that have been released over the years that have I personally struggled to listen to because of the production, you know. And um, yeah. you know, whether you're totally. talking to some of the big players, you know, St. Anger comes to mind or Justice for All, <laughs> the lack of bass and all that kind of stuff. That's a care pop in there, didn't you? <laughs> but yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there where it's like, as a band, are you actually like in the studio listening to this being mixed and produced? And how can that like... Because, you know, obviously, because you do your thing and, you know, I do a bit of music myself, but you want to be in control. You kind of want to... You want to know that the product that is coming out at the end of it is the way that you could hear it in your head. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and like I said, there's that duality because this mm. is my favorite fucking band. Yeah, no questions asked. Even at the end of the day, I could literally stop publicly doing these streets and still write this music and just like listen to it in my car if mm. I wanted to. Yeah, I have that that luxury of being able to write my favorite music. Yeah, and I mean. Who else? Could, there's a lot of people out there who are in bands, right? That they really don't care for. They just want to be in a band, right? They want to be a player. They want to go tour. They want to do all this shit. But, yeah. but do they really love the music like fully? You know, I ask myself that all the time when I see people looking bored on stage and shit. Like, do you believe in your in in, in your music or do you just believe in yourself? Yeah, no, completely. You know? This is my favorite band, so I want to make it sound exactly how I wanted it to sound. And that's the beauty now, of, course, of it as well, because you're you are recording that for you, right? Like you like you say, yeah. if you want to listen to it in your car or whatever, you know, yeah. you hear about all these, um, you read about artists saying, "Oh yeah, you know, we, we recorded their third album. I've never listened to it since we left the studio." It's like, how can that be fucking true? How can you never listen to your own album again? You know, you you should be proud of that. You should, yeah. you know, you should be holding that up and be like, "I fucking made this." Are you saying that Metallica yeah, didn't listen to St. Anger? No, I don't they believe just, they did. They just walked away and that was the end of it. Yeah, I think I so. Think, listen, he I'm said a, it. I he fucking Shane. said it. I he fucking said it. I, I love that record. I don't care what anyone says. I think it's heavy. I think it's it's, it's fast. a great record. Yeah, I mean, fast. the lyrics are fucking god awful. Probably lyrically their worst release. Hang on a minute. Here's the snare. Worse. I mean, whatever. No, let's talk about the snare. We these streets have used the St. Anger snare. Shut up. Are you serious? Our record, Unfinished Business, has the St. Anger snare on it. <laughs> That's insane. Like we're listening to that on the just way to, back. Just oh, to no, prove 100%. to people that like, they really don't give a shit about the snare. They just gave a shit about the discourse. <laughs> I swear, it's it, the, the snare sound on Unfinished Business is literally the, the natural snare, which I believe was the Joey Jordison signature with the Kevlar head, and the St. Anger snare blended with a Glock gunshot, like a oh, Glock nice. seventeen. <laughs> I swear, my God, I'm a nutcase though, so I just I just get weird. You like a bit of studio trickery? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely. I mean, there's 
I get weird, man. Like the, uh, the release expect the worst, which we was a full length record trimmed down into five songs that we just like literally Frankenstein together. I was when I was like on a bit of a, a bender mentally. Like I wasn't working. It was the pandemic. I was just locked in a room, just being creative by myself. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, there's synth on that record. There's hip hop drums throughout. It's I just like, how fucking crazy can I make this? You know, how many layers can we go? And will people notice? And nobody said a thing, you know? <laughs> no one was like, dude, these trees is weird. They put hip hop drums in their song. They didn't even fucking notice, you know? I just get weird, man. Dude, do weird shit. Yeah, man. I mean, I think it's great, like, when when bands do stuff like that and just like go do things that you're not kind of like completely not expecting you know i think that's stuff that's quite cool you know oh uh yeah. cap cam i listened to uh twist of cane that band i heard you recommended it and uh yeah yeah killer thank you for that dude <laughs> he was like the best I... best best california hardcore band out there i was like i can listen to that so i, I, I found it I, I said it to you didn't i yeah yeah yeah, I found yeah, one so one been, like EP on uh, Apple. Yeah, it's wicked. Yeah, they only have one release. Yeah, they got it right the first time. I mean, they were all they've all, they're all in other bands and have been in other bands, but you know, it's really rare that you like start a band with some people and you just get it right the first time. You know, uh, I've been hearing about this band for a couple couple months just from mutual friends, and then we played a show with them. And I was I was sat there just like, oh, this is fucked up. This is good. You know what I mean? And I was hammer drunk. I started moshing, like just like an idiot, you know. And I typically don't like when I'm playing a show and or headlining a show, I just I kind of just kind of mentally rest and enjoy myself. But I was like, fuck this. We're in a parking lot, shit's weird. Let's get let's mosh. Let's have a good time. Uh, but that band definitely blew me away, and I, I support them. Shout out Twisted King. That's the, the best band in California. I don't care what anyone says. It's a cool name. He as said well. it. Yeah, I like the name. He said it, yes. The old that, song, that's another it? thing. Fucking good on them for being the first people to use that as a band. Yeah. 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 100%. That album album's the bollocks, isn't it? It is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, tell us about um, the you had the rapper on Roll of the Dice, L- Little B. You did, what made you decide to get uh, like a rapper? Is he like a Californian rapper that you know or something? I don't I don't know the background of him. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was cool. Guy. It worked. It definitely, he's a, worked. Le- he's a legendary Bay Area rapper. He was a part of a rap group called The Pack, and they had a really really popular song in the early two thousands. And then he kind of. They, they broke up and he kind of just did his own thing and he just kind of made this like funny um i would i would honestly say he's the first like meme artist right who kind of made a killing off of being satirical to an extent i mean he's dead serious right his music is, is really the music he wants to create but it's satirical to an extent and um i had approached him about just i didn't want him to do a rap part i specifically just wanted him to, to talk <laughs> and do like some spoken words and just kind of just, you know just have him just be a part of it he's a bay area legend and right, uh yeah he was gracious and more than willing to do it and it was it was awesome that's good and that definitely adds to the song 100 percent. yeah it's good i mean so it's, you it's just like, you basically just asked you just you just asked him and that's it sent in the tape and yeah he did his yeah, thing. A couple hundred bucks. A couple hundred bucks later, and you know. Have you ever? Have you it. met him? Have you ever met him since the putting the track no. together? No. No, I've seen him. I've seen him perform live, but you know, he he was also one of the first people to be like super on social media. So he followed me ever since like 2009. Uh, he followed everyone back for a long time. He stopped doing it, but he used to just if you followed him, he would follow you back. So that gives you the the ability to DM him. So yeah. I'm like, holy shit, Lil B follows me on Twitter. I'm going to DM him right now. And he said, <laughs> I got you, fam. Send me your phone number. And then we just started talking. And he's like, what, is, what do you want from me? Like, what do you want me to do? And I was like, I just want you to talk, dude. I just want your voice on this song. 
I was like, the, the record's called Roll the Dice about taking chances. And he just said what he said. I believe he said exactly that. Just do a dance, take a chance, <laughs> funny shit. Oh, that's good. It worked out well. Yeah. We need to talk about you coming to the UK. <laughs> Is it 7th of April? You're playing these streets? New, I, New Cross I Inn? I believe that. New yep. Cross Inn, yeah? Have yep. you played there before? No, I have not. It's a great venue, man. I've played there. It's really cool. Didn't you you played there? Was it Nashville Pussy? Yeah, yeah. You played with Nashville Pussy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a cool venue. It's really cool. You'll enjoy it. It's like a nice big stage, long, long, massive long stage. Lots of room for jumping about. But they can't wait. They get a lot of hardcore bands and you know all that kind of stuff there. So um, there's always a good crowd as well, which is good. Yeah, no, you're and you're that. supporting Sworn Enemy, aren't you? Yep, legend. Full, full pelt metal. Fucking, <laughs> that is full on. I, I remember them from back in the day. Yeah, man. I mean, I remember the they name. got loads of albums, didn't they? And EPs and stuff. I'm sure they probably have. Yeah, nice. and they and they just did a tour with Anthrax over there. Did they? Oh, they were on yeah. that tour. Oh, cool. Yeah, man. You know. But that that but you're, that tour you're you're going around Europe again, aren't you? You're doing Amsterdam and Paris and stuff again. I don't think we're doing enemy? Paris. You're I, doing I don't a few of the dates. Paris. No, we're right. doing the whole tour. Yeah, you do. I don't think Paris. I don't think Paris is on the agenda. Oh, is but it, I think we're yeah. gonna. I, I think we're gonna make it a point to go to Paris just to be funny, like on a day off or something. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Eiffel Tower is special, isn't it? I mean, come on. As soon as you see I it, mean, you I'm know. not a, I haven't had the best experiences in France with locals. Not at the shows, but with with local people. They've not been kind to me. But no, really? That's neither here nor there. Yeah. <laughs> I think one time I went to a tobacco shop to get a pack of smokes, back when I smoked. And the guy was like, American dog. And I was like, really, dog? Really? the fuck i was like do i beat this guy's ass and get arrested in france right now oh my god Uh, a bit like that i lost my keys in a hotel once and i and i said ah to this to this lady or girl actually was a girl she was young but she worked there and i said oh i don't know if you can help me because i've i've lost lost my set of keys and she just went so go find them and i was just like (laughs) what yeah fuck (laughs) Up, but, but I guess that's just what they'd like. <laughs> so yeah, go find them. them. Brilliant. I'll never forget it. That was years ago. Yeah, I did find them though. Fuck her. <laughs> yeah. Fuck I you, found dude. them. Fuck you found them and fucked I'm gonna go back to <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm gonna go back to that tobacco shop. And if that motherfucker's still there, I'm like, remember me, Dickwad? <laughs> yeah. Remember me? Well I vape the now. dog. <laughs> yeah. So listen, man. There's there's a couple of more questions we always ask. Um, one of them is this. Um, this is going to sound a bit random, but I've got a feeling I know what you're going to say. Clearly, <laughs> because of what we were talking about earlier. Anyway, um, so you can send one song into space for the for like whatever's out there to hear. Only one song. What is it going to be? Any genre. It's a hard question. We've put you right on the spot. On the spot. Nah, I'm gonna send "Last Breath" by These Streets out into space. Oh, cool! Oh, I like the fact that you've picked your own, man. I was almost sure you were gonna say "Wonderwall." Nah, absolutely. <laughs> That's like one of my least favorite songs. Oh, I mean, if it rock, came rock on, and roll, it's gotta I'm, be rock and roll stuff. If it can, if it comes on, I'm singing it. But it's yeah. been pounded into the ground by yeah. American culture. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's a meme. It's a, it's a meme now. But I mean. If Wonderwall is to come on in, in a bar and I'm hammered, you know I'm grabbing my homies and we're singing that song. And they know mm. it too. Oh, yeah, 100%. But, but, so, yeah. but what Oasis song would you send up there? Just because we, I need to know that now. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Mm. Let's put him with double questioning him. I know what it would yeah, be for me. With, I'm going to hit you with a deep cut. I'm going to go with Don't Go Away. Don't be go here away. now. Oh. See, I was going to go with the B-side. I was going to go with um, Acquiesce. Yeah, I, oh, just that's a, fucking I, mean, I love that because of the, the dual, dual, dual vocals. Yeah. It's the bollocks. Yeah, yeah. it is the bollocks. Uh, that, um, that B-Sides album was something else. There weren't anything bad on there, was there? 
I can't remember what it was no, called. They didn't, oh, they, master plan, they didn't the master do plan. anything bad anyway. They didn't do one track bad. No, but you know, you know when nope. you get certain bands where like the B sides are always yeah, no, yeah. like fucking like just as good, if not better than than the A sides. You know, um, not so much now because yeah, obviously it, you don't do the A and the B sides and that. You kind just of stuff, do an but, EP and that's it. Yeah, yeah, but like you know, with like with like we were talking about the Britpop thing and all that. You had like. You had like uh, there was a British band. I don't know if you've heard of them, but there was a British band called Suede, and all their B sides were like better than better than the album tracks, you know. Um, and I think Oasis were like that as well. And obviously, going right back to like the Beatles, they were well known for like having amazing B sides. You know, it's quite interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of bands who put a lot into into that, you know. And there's also bands yeah, who totally. just put a- any old shit on the B side. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've we've done our fair share of like hidden track yeah. type type of thing, um, but they were only ever on physical releases. Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't, you wouldn't hear it on the Spotify release. I made sure of that. Like if you got the record, you you'll find it. You know, yeah. Um, with our CD CD release of Roll the Dice, there is technically a B side to it. Like mm-hmm. the, it's the four songs from the EP, and then there's like demos and unreleased songs on the on the second half of the cd so it's technically a full length to an extent yeah so if anybody, anybody who purchased a copy of roll the dice got like the full b-side treatment i do not have that cd you're gonna have to get it now aren't you? can cd so uh, yeah do, so do I, you... I, go on mate i'm a i'm a firm i, I I'm, a, I'm a music nerd you yeah. know and when when growing up i was always searching for demos and b-sides to listen to because that's the coolest shit in the world. Yeah, I right. wish, I wish there was someone who was interested in hearing the original version of the song. You know, like uh, there was a point in time where these streets was going to do change our tuning to drop G like super low and heavy, and the original versions of like songs from our our EP expect the worst were all recorded in drop G. So how there's versions the, that exist. How did the strings are, even stay on the guitars? <laughs> they must have been just flapping string. about, huh? And we used a seven string. But oh, yeah, of course. We were also, we were using a, there was, there was one song that the first half was in drop C. And then like during the breakdown of the mosh part, we switched it to drop G. And to pull that off live, we were all going to get like these Digitech drop pedals that change your tuning on the fly. Yeah. Uh, we were, you know, we were getting weird, but like we all, at the end of the day, we all agreed that, you know, the band belongs in drop C. So that's what we stuck with. Yeah, 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 but the, 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 they do exist inside of my Dropbox, you know. Amazing! I didn't even know there was pedals that could change your tuning. That's that's something else. Yeah, I'm very meat and potatoes. I've got a Marshall amp and a Les Paul and a distortion pedal, and that's it. <laughs> hey, sometimes that's all you need. I'm pretty basic myself. Uh, I have a sixty-five hundred five sixty watt combo amp. That mm-hmm. if I needed to use a live, I could just plug it into a cab. It's got plenty of power behind it. Yeah, uh, I have one electric guitar. Uh, it's it's my ESP. I've had it for years. Mm-hmm. And then for pedals, for pedals, I just use tuner, noise gate, tu- uh, and a tube screamer. Yeah, that's it. Play. Yeah, you say sometimes it's all you need, right? Yeah, I mean that's all I need. I only have one pickup and one knob on my guitar. That's yeah. all I fucking want. <laughs> if I could get rid of the knob, I just might. Just have the guitar be on. Yeah, you know that's it no way that's cool yeah um oh, man. we'll let you go i know you've got the yeah, rest, your your, rest of your work day to has got you know you've got to get on with that and thanks so much for giving us your lunch hour and your time and you know your effort and it's been fantastic to talk to you absolutely fantastic you really has. i mean yeah. that we, we were talking we're probably going to try and come to the uh to, to the new in. yep meet up for a beer or something buy you a pint yeah well, yeah, let's go. for coming on, man. Out. Excellent. We could we could do, we could do a live podcast at the show. There you go. Oh, I won't be wearing these fucking headphones. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Jesus! They're making me sweat. My ears feel like fucking yeah. like I'm a muppet or something. Like I'm that. just so pleased that that I didn't have to wear them. I feel like I've won. The day. I'm yeah, I'm winning the day. Hundred percent. Thanks a lot, man. Great chat. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Yeah, I'll see you guys soon. Enjoy the rest of your day, yeah. buddy. Thanks again. Okay. Bye, guys. Still got no love for the snake. No one
Try your last breath.